Welcome to Alpha and Omega Ministries International. This ministry is committed to bringing apostolic alignment and restoration of the values and principles of the Kingdom of God to the body of Christ. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by the Word of God. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time together. We bless you once again that in the name of Jesus we can come and sit around your Word. Inviting your Holy Spirit and your presence, Lord, to minister to us and to guide us as we fellowship and study your word. We pray particularly, Lord, today that you would grant us your spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of your precious will. As we study the subject of prayer now for several weeks, we ask you, Father, that you would enable us to see things we have not seen before. Deepen our knowledge concerning the value and the importance of prayer, concerning, Father, the principles of prayer, the kind of prayers that please you and bring glory and honor to your name. Holy Spirit, we invite you in our session today. And I want to thank you for everyone who is participating in this webinar session today. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your guidance. And thank you for inside by the help of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. amen. I see Peter has just logged on. Hi, Peter. Hi, Pastor. Sorry, I'm late. Yeah, no problem. Just be on time next time. How is Emma? She's well. She's well. She's pretty busy uh, feeding Grace and putting her to sleep. Okay. All right. Let's begin with our session uh, today. We are continuing on the subject of praying the kind of prayers that please God. We are studying and looking into the kind of prayers that please the Lord and bear much fruit for His kingdom. We have been on this teaching now for five weeks. Week after week now, for five weeks, we have been looking at the same theme, and studying the importance of prayer and the value of prayer in the life of the believer. It is important, as I have mentioned before, to always remember that the prayers of petition, the prayers of supplication or intercession, has to do with influence, bringing God's influence to bear on the people we pray for, whether it is for ourselves, our family, our loved ones, or the people that the Lord has burdened our hearts to pray for. One of the primary ways we extend and establish the influence of God's kingdom is through prayer. The scope of our influence, as I have mentioned to you last week, is determined by the scope of our prayers. We will never be spiritually greater than our prayer life. It's important for us to really understand and digest this truth. When you pray for others, you affect their behavior through the Lord. You affect their actions and their opinions, thus helping them to make right decisions and right choices which ultimately please the Lord. And let me make this statement before we go any further in our lesson. If I go by what I see and what I experience in the Christian community, the kind of prayers, or rather most of the prayers we pray as believers, are reactive. 
as opposed to being preemptive or preventative. What do I mean by that? Well, most of the prayers are initiated after something happens to us or to other people, then we are called upon to pray for the people who ask for prayer or for ourselves. Say we enter a crisis, we run to prayer. Someone is in crisis and calls, please pray for me. This has happened or this has happened and so on and so forth. These kind of prayers are called reactive prayers. In other words, it is prayer after something has happened. But there are kind of prayers that are preemptive or preventative. Isn't it better to pray and stay prayed up with a shield of faith up to prevent something from happening rather than praying after the thing has happened? Did you get that? Well, you may ask, well, pastor, how can we pray in that manner? Well, the most effective way for us to pray, as we've looked at this subject before and talked about it, it is praying in the Holy Spirit. When you're praying in the Spirit, you go deeper into the realm of the Spirit, And by the help of the Holy Spirit, you pray not just prayers that are reactive, but preemptive. Because already the Lord knows the schemes of the enemy, the attacks of the enemy. And when we pray in the Spirit, we go into a realm in the Spirit where we tear down his strongholds and we prevent those schemes from coming to pass. Hello? Are you with me? And we need to do some of that kind of praying. Not just reactionary prayers, but preemptive prayers. As we trust the Holy Spirit to lead us in that kind of prayer. Now let's go on. Last week we talked about angels on assignment, remember? We looked at the conflict behind the scenes in the spiritual realm of angelic beings being sent out as a result of the believer's prayers. We looked at Daniel's prayers last week where the angel of the Lord said to Daniel, I have now come to you because of your words. Imagine that. An angel coming to you and saying, from the first day you started praying about this matter, I was sent forth to bring you the answer. The angel himself testified and said to Daniel, I have come because of your words. In other words, because you prayed, because you interceded for your people, I have come in answer to your prayer. Now, These angelic beings, as we have looked the scriptures last week, in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14, these angels, the Bible says, are ministering spirits. In other words, they are servants sent to care, to protect, and to assist the people of God who will inherit salvation. And let me read that verse of scripture to you from the New Living Translation from Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 14. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14. The New Testament has a lot to say about angels. Angels on assignment, angels on a mission to help, to serve, to protect and to keep God's chosen people, those who will inherit salvation. Here is what the New Living Translation says. Therefore, angels are only servants 
spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. So we need to understand that, that we have more are with us, the Bible says, than those that are against us. And just because we cannot see them, that, that does not mean they're not there. They are with you every day, 24-7. They never sleep. The Bible says that the, the angel of the Lord, or the Lord himself, neither sleeps nor slumbers. So he is with us. They are with us, these angelic beings. Psalms 103, verse 20. I want you to look at this verse because we're looking at it for the first time. The book of Psalms 103 and verse 20. I'm reading from the New King James translation. Psalm 103 and verse 20. This is what the word says. Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Another translation says they hearken or obey the voice of his word. Now let me say this, these angels are trained to obey the word of God. Whether the word of God comes out of God's mouth or your mouth, if it's the word of the Lord, angels will hearken and obey that word. That's what they are designed to do. They are designed to give heed to the voice of the Lord and to the voice of his word. So when we are praying the word of God, the angels of the Lord are listening and obeying and are sent out to make sure that those words we pray in the Lord are fulfilled. That is their mission. That is their assignment. Amen? You need to take those verses and meditate on them. The more you meditate, the more the reality of angelic beings will be made to you. They will become real to you. So when you're praying, you know that those angels are waiting for the word of the Lord to come out of your mouth, out of my mouth. They take that word and they are sent out making it fulfilled keeping that word, obeying that word, hearkening that word. And I want to give you now two more examples from the book of Acts. As I mentioned last week, before we go on and look at another spirit-filled prayer that Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus. We see here in the first portion of scripture we're going to read, from the book of Acts, chapter 12, we are going to read five verses from verse 5 through to verse 10. We see here, angelic, an angel was sent in answer to the church's prayer. Let's read this portion of scripture as we elaborate on this incident. Acts chapter 12, verse 5 through to 10. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers. And the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him, 
and did not know that what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they were past the first and the second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and went down one street, and immediately the angel departed from him. Here is an example of an angel being sent to Peter who was in prison and probably the next day he was going to be beheaded like James was by Herod. He was certain to die. But notice what the scripture says in verse 5. While Peter was kept in prison, constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. The church wouldn't let up. They started to pray because they were afraid that Peter was going to die the same way that James did, beheaded by Herod. So they fervently and perseveringly began to pray, constant prayer without ceasing. In response to the prayer, we see an angel was sent to rescue Peter. This came about as a result of the constant prayers of the church that were keeping vigil in prayer for Peter. We see that. That is a direct result and a direct answer to prayer. Now, there are many in the body of Christ, many ministers. They may not be in prison physically, But many of us are in prison spiritually and emotionally. Somebody needs to pray so that we could be freed and delivered from our fears, from our emotional prisons, from thoughts that are not of the Lord, from strongholds the enemy has managed through the years to put into our minds. And so many in the body of Christ may not be in a physical prison, but they are in the prison nevertheless. A prison of sickness, a prison of fear, a prison of prejudice, a prison of unforgiveness, a prison of hate, you name it. There are all kinds of prisons. But here is where the church needs to do its part. Constant prayer was offered to God on behalf of Peter. And we need to be praying for one another. We need to be praying for the church as a whole. We need to be praying for the ministers of the gospel, especially those whom we know. As I have mentioned to you in my email a couple of days ago, no, actually the morning before we left, I've asked the Lord to, um, to minister to me as we embarked on this journey to give me an encouraging passage from scriptures or to minister to my heart and encourage me. And by accident, literally, my eye caught one of my journals and I began to read it. And I shared with you in that email what I've read. And a holy fear of God came upon me. And that is why I have written that email asking you to lift us up in prayer. The temptation is so strong out there, not just for the ministers of the gospel, but for every believer to stand strong, to stand pure, to stand faithful, to remain on fire for the Lord and to keep him and give him the first place in our hearts and in our lives. So all of us are in need of prayer. And I believe that prayer is one of the great privileges and one of the greatest and most powerful ministries that the Lord has given to every believer. You don't have to be a pastor to pray. You don't have to have a special anointing to pray. All you need to be is a child of God. Amen? So we see that this angel was sent in order to rescue Peter, and he rescued him, and his life was spared. So let's look at another episode where again the angel of the Lord was involved and was sent to Paul, not only to encourage him, 
but also to encourage the 276 souls that were shipwrecked in, uh, in the sea. It was a very horrific time. 276 people were on that ship. And let's read some of the account that Luke gives us in the book of Acts chapter 27, 27 verses 19 through to 25. Acts 27 verse 19 through to 25. Paul in the middle in the midst of the tempest and and, and, and the storm, uh, they were they feared for their lives. Listen to what the scripture says. On the third day, after they sailed, we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands. Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. Can, can you picture this scenario? All hope that they were to be saved was gone. It was a hopeless situation. Everybody thought they're going to drown. There's no way out of this. There's no escape. In that darkest hour, let's read what, P, what Paul did. Paul was a prisoner and he asked to see Caesar in Rome. So they granted him his request, but nevertheless, he was a prisoner on that ship. But after long abstinence from food, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart. For there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong (coughs) and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before (coughs) before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe, God, that it will be just as it was told me. (coughs) Excuse me. I need to get my water. (coughs) Give me a moment, please. Excuse me. All right. (coughs) This is the scenario now. After a long abstinence from food, Paul says, (coughs) Then Paul stood in the midst of them, knowing Paul, this is what he did. When all hope was gone, he went down at the bottom of the ship, And he fasted and prayed. In his prayer, while he was seeking the Lord for answers, for encouragement, and for deliverance, (coughs) Paul said, There stood by me this night an angel (coughs) of the God to whom I, I belong. An angel was sent from God to Paul. To do what? To give him a word of encouragement. That's why he said to the men, he said, listen to what he said to them. Do not be afraid. 
For there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul, you must be brought before Caesar. Therefore take heart, for I believe God, that it will be just as it was told me. He wasn't just praying for himself, Paul. He was praying <clears throat> for all 276 souls that were on board and were about to perish. In answer to his prayer, the angel was sent to encourage him and, I believe, also to help them reach the shore without any loss of life. Now, of course, the ship was destroyed, but every single soul was saved. None of them perished. Do you think that was the result of Paul's prayer? <clears throat> Do you think they would have been saved if Paul didn't go down to fast and pray and seek the Lord? <clears throat> I doubt it. Well, <clears throat> here are two incidents where we see without a shadow of a doubt that angels were sent on behalf of someone praying. Now, Psalm 91, verse 11 and 12. Let's look at these verses. Psalm 91, <clears throat> verse 11 and 12. Find them in your own Bibles, please. This is what the Scripture says. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. That is the word of the Lord. That is what these angels do. They keep us in all of our ways. They protect us. They preserve us from harm. So, as we've learned, they are ministering spirits. They are servants. And they are sent on our behalf who will inherit salvation. When we pray, we keep our angels busy and employed. When angels are unemployed... That means not much prayer is going up to the throne. Hello? <laughs> Are you keeping your angels busy, believer? The only way we keep them busy is that we regularly pray. Now, are there any questions before I go on, or shall we go on to our next prayer? Are you learning something about angels? Yes. Yes. Praise God. As I said to you last week, not much preaching is done about angels. And not much is taught about these ministering spirits who are working day and night without sleeping, without rest, ready on call 24-7 to deliver us, to protect us, to bring messages to us, to bring encouragement, and so on and so forth. All right, let's look at now another prayer that we ourselves can pray the way Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus. <clears throat> Let's go to Ephesians chapter 3 and read from verse 14 through to 19. 
Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through to 19. Are you there? Okay. This is Paul now praying, writing to the church in Ephesus and saying to them what kind of prayers he prays. For this reason, he says, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend or understand with all the saints what is the width and length, and depth, and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. <clears throat> Let's take a moment to examine and unpackage this prayer of Paul. Notice what Paul asks for. First of all, he asks the Lord God, to strengthen the believers in Ephesus with might through his spirit in their inner man. This tells me that inner strength or spiritual fortitude, which can withstand all kinds of attacks and temptations from the outside, comes through prayer. Our spirit man is renewed and strengthened and fortified through prayer. The more we pray, the stronger we become on the inside. The more we pray for others, the stronger they become when it comes to resisting temptation and the evil one. Jesus said to the disciples, if you recall, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Do you recall that? Amen. <clears throat> he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Now, if we don't pray, we fall prey to the temptation of the evil one because we are spiritually weak. And when the enemy comes to tempt us, we have no resistance, no inward fortitude to resist that temptation, and we fall into it. But if we have taken the time to pray and pray regularly, inward fortitude and spiritual strength, our spirit man is endued with power. And so we become strong in resisting the evil one. So people who fall easily into temptation are people who don't really pray much. Amen? Please notice what Jesus said to Peter hours before he denied him. And the Lord said to Simon, 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 indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But, listen to what Jesus said, Jesus could not prevent the devil from attacking and sifting Peter like wheat. Peter asked for it. He was too proud. He was too arrogant. Everybody, Peter said, Lord, even if everybody else denies you, I will never deny you. He didn't know himself. He was too proud, too arrogant. And because of that, the Lord said to him, Simon, because of your pride. Now, he didn't say those words, but he did say to him, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you 
that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. As I have said, it's very important to pay attention here. The Lord could not prevent Satan from or stop him from sifting Peter. But what the Lord did, he prayed for Peter in his hour of weakness and humiliation and sifting that his faith, that that is Peter's faith, should not fail him in that hour of temptation. So that when he repented and returned, he would come back to the Lord and strengthen his brethren exactly as it happened. Amen? Amen. And sometimes we cannot prevent believers from being sifted like wheat. Because there are things in our lives that must be purged and removed from our lives. In order for those things to be removed, we go through a series of tests and trials. Now, God does not order them. He does not ordain them. But he cannot stop them. Are you, are you with me? Why can't he stop them? Why didn't he stop the devil from sifting Peter like wheat? Because Peter set himself up through his pride. Amen. And sometimes we make mistakes. We make foolish mistakes. And because of that, you know, we are tested. We are tempted. The Bible says God tempts no men. Neither is he tempted with evil. But every man is tempted by his own evil desires. But in the test, in the temptation... We can pray that the Lord will strengthen our brother, our sister. And the last thing the brother or the sister needs is pointing their fingers at them and judging them. Hello? We need to have and develop a heart of mercy and compassion for people who go through severe testing. And often through their own choosing, through their own mistakes. We must not judge, but pray. We must be gracious. We must be merciful and pray just like the Lord himself prayed for Peter. He said, I have prayed for you, Peter, that your faith will not fail you in that hour of testing. And when you come back, and you're going to come back strong, and you are going to strengthen and encourage your brothers. What a wonderful heart the Lord has for his people. And we must learn to be like him. Amen? Please hear what I'm saying. Because this is, this. instead of praying so often we judge. We say, I told you this would happen. Well, they deserve what they got. That is not Christ-like attitude. Amen. All right. Now let's go on. So Paul prays that God himself, through his spirit, would strengthen the believers in the inner man, in the spirit man. That's important. We need to pray like that. And you need to pray and put the name of those you're praying for. Lord, I bow my knees to you, the Father of my Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that you would grant my brother, my sister, my wife, my husband, Put the name there, to be strengthened, to be strengthened with might through your spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith. Then Paul goes on to say, he prays that the believers will be rooted and grounded in love to the point where they receive a revelation of the vastness 
of God's unconditional love towards them. This is one of the greatest revelations that any believer will receive. The Father's unconditional love and acceptance. He wants them to know on an intimate level the kind of love that surpasses, he says, natural understanding to the extent where they are filled with all the fullness of God. Please notice how high Paul aims with his prayers to God for the church. He aims very high. He doesn't, he doesn't ask for little things. He wants them to be filled, he says, with all the fullness of God. You know, you may ask, is this really possible? Do you think it's possible that we human beings can be filled with all the fullness of God? That we can contain literally in our spirits the fullness of God Almighty? Do you believe that's possible? Yes. <laughs> How many of you believe that's possible? I believe if it was not possible... Paul would not have asked for such kind of prayers, for, for such, he would not have made such requests. Would, don't you agree? He wouldn't have asked God to fill them with all the fullness of God. Amen. Paul understood, hear me, he understood the nature of the recreated, born again human spirit. He understood the capacity that we have as new creations in Christ to embrace and hold the awesomeness of God Almighty in our spirit man. Don't forget that man's spirit was created in the likeness of God for the purpose of deep intimacy and fellowship with him. That's why he created us as spirit beings. We know so little about the spirit of man, I believe, and his capabilities. As a result, we have limited ourselves terribly because we know so little about our nature, the very nature of our human recreated born-again spirit. The Bible says that our spirits are eternal. They are not governed by time or space. Amen? And our capabilities as spiritual beings are beyond measure. They have no limit. We have an unlimited capacity in our spirit man. I'm not talking about the flesh. I'm talking about the spiritual man on the inside. He's unlimited. His capabilities are unlimited. The resources that God has put in our spirits are not limited. May the Lord give us understanding and revelation concerning who we are in the spirit and what we can do through God himself. Most of us in the body of Christ know ourselves according to the flesh. That is our outward appearance, what we look like, what color hair we got, what color eyes, how short we are, how tall we are, how thin we are. Amen. That's knowing ourselves according to the flesh. But the Bible says, therefore, we know no man after the flesh anymore. We must know each other in the spirit, who we are in the spirit, what we have because Christ lives in us and us live in him. Amen. We pay so much attention so, so often to the body and to the outward appearance to the point where we totally ignore and neglect to strengthen and beautify and nurture our inner man whom in the eyes of God has, is of great value and of great worth. That's what the Bible says. Peter, speaking to women, says the following in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Listen to what Peter says concerning this hidden man, the man of the heart, the inward man, the spirit man. 
He says to the women, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing of gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart. He's talking about the spirit person. With the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Notice what Peter says. Your spirit man is very precious in the sight of God. Now he's not telling women not to adorn themselves and not to, and not to arrange the hair. No, that's not what he's, he's saying. He's saying don't just let it be the outward, but pay more attention to the hidden man of the heart, the hidden person, the man of the spirit, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Do you understand the context in which he's speaking? And some, some, some sections of the church, they have taken this literally, the letter, without understanding the context and now they don't wear any rings, they don't wear any jewelry, they don't, the women don't, don't put any makeup, and they look like scarecrows. <coughs> now he's not saying that. He's saying, look after yourself, beautify yourself, but not just the outward, pay attention to the inward as well. Amen. That was the first Peter chapter three, verses three and four. Now, the spirit man. This is the man Paul prays for and asks God to strengthen and to fill him with all of God's love and attributes. Amen. If you study closely Paul's prayers for the churches, <clears throat> you will clearly see that they are directed and primarily focused on spiritual, on the spiritual man <coughs> and on spiritual things. Why? Because he knows that spiritual things govern and they affect natural and physical things. Everything in this natural world has its roots in the spirit. And if we can get the spirit right and rightly aligned, then the natural and the physical will fall naturally by itself into the rightful place. Put first things first. The body isn't first. It is the spirit first. That is why the, boy, the Bible lists first the spirit then the soul, then the body. Not body, soul, and spirit, but spirit, soul, and body. He lists them in the order of importance. So, <clears throat> we can take care of our body, but if we don't take care of our spirits, by fellowshipping with God on a daily basis, in prayer, and in study and meditating His Word, then our spirit men will grow weaker and weaker and weaker, and we will not be able to resist, and we will not be able to stand on our feet and walk as the Lord commanded us to walk. Be the light, be the salt of the earth. <coughs> Amen. Someone said, we feed the body three times a day, and the spirit, we give him one cold snack a week, and then we wonder why we are spiritually weak. <clears throat> you can be a glutton in the spirit. That is no sin. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. So this is our fifth lesson on the subject of praying the kind of prayers that please God. And we've looked at particularly the kind of prayer 
that Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 3. So pray those prayers for yourself, for your wife, for your husband, for your children, <coughs> for your brother, for your sister, the ones you see almost every week. Pray them for your pastor. And God will respond to such prayers. Amen. Now, I am going to close this session for recording purposes with prayer, and then I'll give some time for questions. Father, we thank you for your teaching on the subject of prayer. We thank you for the things that we have seen today in the Word of God, how angels are sent because we prayed because we've interceded. They are sent to help, to deliver, to rescue, and to serve those who will inherit salvation. I thank you, Lord. We thank you for those ministering spirits. They are mighty in power. They hearken to the voice and to the word of God. Thank you that you have assigned to us angelic beings who walk with us, who are with us every single day to deliver, to protect, and to minister and serve us, Lord. We appreciate you and we thank you for this angelic beings. We thank you for the kind of prayers that Paul prayed for the church. Thank you that you are giving us insight how to pray effectively, the kind of prayers that please you, the kind of prayers that bear fruit, the kind of prayers that give glory and honor to your name. Lord, teach us to pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources and more information about this ministry, come and visit us at www.alphaomegaint.org.za.